This is Negotiate X Podcast, show number 46, part A. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Hey everyone, welcome to the Negotiate X podcast. I'm your host and co-founder, Nolan Martin, and with me today is not only Aram, but we also have the Negotiations Ninja. So, Aram, do you want to kick off the bio here for Mark? <laughs> I will. Thanks, Nolan. Hey folks, we have Mark Raffin of Negotiations Ninja with us today. Mark is a as an entrepreneur, procurement uh, veteran, podcast host, speaker, and recognized negotiation expert. Mark has a passion for influence, persuasion, and marketing, and is considered a thought leader in these areas. He has led C-suite negotiations and coached executives and teams in some of the largest companies in the world, such as Zendesk, Nike, Citibank, Salesforce, and LinkedIn. Mark has been featured in Entrepreneur, Forbes, Thrive Global, Supply, and Demand Chain Executive Magazine, uh, and that magazine recognized him as a 2019 pro to know, and has appeared on a dozen posts, on dozens of podcasts. Uh, he runs his own practice and delivers engaging, usable, and market-relevant trading to an unserved market. Mark, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have a conversation with you, especially since you've been doing your podcast for over five years. So congrats on that. To kind of kick this off, I want to kind of ask you about your journey as a negotiation or negotiator, excuse me. Where did you start? How did you get there? And what were some of the key milestones along the way? I started out in, gosh, I guess you could go all the way back to the beginning of like my life. My, I'm in a very conflict-oriented family. <laughs> my family doesn't shy away from conflict whatsoever. <laughs> Not to say that we don't get along, but we certainly get it out. <laughs> and so conflict was always a part of my life. It was um, never something that my family ever shied away from. Um, and as I say that, I recognize that it sounds like I may have come from some sort of like conflict crazy family, but the truth is I come from a very loving family and they're all amazing, but they're, they're all very comfortable with expressing their emotions. That's been a part of my life since forever. My first job out of university was in sales, worked in advertising sales for quite some time, was very fortunate enough to be successful and paid off all my student loans within a year of graduating basically. And then I moved on to the other side of the table and I worked in procurement for quite some time. I worked my way up through category management and led a few categories and then ended up deciding this thing's not for me. I don't want to do the corporate thing anymore. And um, at that time, I, I had been writing a lot, writing a lot of negotiation stuff and moaning to my friends that there was no great negotiation content out there. And there was like one or two people doing something at the time. And like all good friends, 
they told me, don't moan about it, do something about it. <laughs> and I did. And that was in a bar and I had, had way too much to drink. And then <laughs> I went home and got onto Amazon and ordered far too many pieces of equipment that I absolutely did not need. <laughs> and started the Negotiations Ninja podcast the next day. That evolved into a negotiation training company. And now we deliver negotiation training to some of the largest companies in the world. So wild journey. It's been a wild journey. Fun though, right? Some of the best decisions get made with friends at bars, don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, <laughs> if scotch is involved and friends are involved, you know it's going to be a good time, even if it's a bomb <laughs> of an idea. So you you know you wrote about you just talked about some of your writing, and as you know, in preparation for this, I was reading your ebook, which is available on your website. Thank we'll you. make sure our, our listeners have that link. You know, I'd love for our listeners to learn a little bit from your experience, Mark. You know, you talk about in that book the critical importance of understanding these four major foundations of negotiation. Can you share what these are and, and how people can become kind of masters of the foundations? Yeah, and it's sort of my take on what I consider to be fundamentals that you absolutely have to, have to, have to, have to have when it comes to negotiation. And a lot of it comes down to strategy, but some of it just comes down to being anal about what you're doing. Foundation number one is just know what you want. So many of us go into negotiations kind of just winging it. Like we, we have no real idea. We have an, some sort of idea of what we think we might be able to get. And we're like, well, I don't know. Let's see what I can get. And we kind of just go into the negotiation and end up making decisions that aren't necessarily aligned to our original goal because we never really knew what our original goal was in the first place. And so without knowing what you want, it becomes very challenging to know whether or not you've been successful because you've got nothing to measure it against. So know what you want. And we can get into details about what that means and how to prepare for that if you want to. But let's go into the second foundation. Second foundation is know what your backup is. Know what your alternatives is, are. Like everyone's heard the term BATNA before, best alternative to a negotiated agreement, popularized um, in the early 1980s by William Urey and Roger Fisher. It's just a fancy way of saying what's plan B, right? Like if you get into a negotiation and that negotiation doesn't go well, what's plan B? Where are you going to take it from there? Where are you going to go to? And if you do decide to walk away, the fundamental question you do have to ask yourself is, where do I walk away to? And right. if you don't have a good answer for that, you, you need to be more well-prepared. Foundation number three is ask for it. And I know it sounds super simple, but so many of us in any kind of negotiations fail to ask. Ask for what you want. Ask for what you need. And as crazy as it sounds, ask for more than what you need. Because we think that most people are going to come into a negotiation being rational and reasonable actors. And the truth of the matter is they may not be very well prepared either. So you may be able to get good value out of asking for more than what you need. Now, I'm not saying ask for obscene amounts because extreme anchoring rarely works, but anchoring does work. And we know that. So ask for more than what you need. Record the deal. That's really important. Any lawyer worth their salt will tell you that unless you're actually recording the deal throughout and taking good notes, redlining properly, taking good minutes, and ensuring that you're capturing what people are agreeing to and what people are not agreeing to, 
If you're not doing that, it's going to be very, very difficult to be able to translate all of your discussions into an agreement. And even if you do miss something that was meant to go into the agreement, at least then you have some sort of foundation to go back to, to say, okay, hey, we missed this collectively. We both agreed that this was a thing that we should have included. Can we make an amendment to the agreement? So that's really, really important. Those are the four foundations. Know what you want, know what your backup is, ask for the deal and record the deal. Now, those are great. And I hope we can dig into each one and any illustrations you're able to share. I know a lot of the work that you probably do with clients is confidential, but even from your own experience, if we can dig in, uh, I think we've got some follow-up questions here, kind of digging into each one of those a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's dig into them. Yeah. And it's great that you said the know what you want kind of aspect, because you had said that people just seem to wander into negotiations and that's kind of where our tagline actually derived from. It's uh elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations because, you know, too often do people just find themselves haphazardly walking into a negotiation, zero preparation. So absolutely agree with the first part there. I'd add to Nolan and, and Mark, get your take on this. You know, sometimes people don't even realize they're in a negotiation and that's, that's problematic in terms of <laughs> knowing what your goal is. And I mean, if you're in, if you do any kind of frequent communication, if you're in a sales role, a communications role, a procurement role, a legal role, whatever it is that you do, if you communicate often, you're in a negotiation more often than you think, because all communication in and of itself can be framed as a negotiation or a goal to get to at some point in time. A lot of people say things like, we need to get alignment on something. Well, what does that actually mean? We means that we're going to negotiate with each other to determine what alignment is, and then we're going to do the thing that we're going to do. Yeah. And it's great that you had said kind of the know what you want, because a lot of time, it's also equally important to know what they want, or at least have an idea of what they want, if you're trying to do adequate preparation before a negotiation. So I kind of want to get kind of your input on how important that is and, and kind of where you see that, how that plays out during a negotiation. Yeah. So two things, I'm going to break this into like two parts. I think that was two questions. So the first question is, how do you know what you want and how do you determine that? And then the second part is, how do you determine what the counterparty wants? in the conversation. So the first part of knowing what you want is as simple as just sitting down and thinking, what are my goals? What are my objectives? And I think there's a big difference between, maybe add a layer of detail to this, there's a difference between needs and wants. A need is a must-have item, like I have to achieve this thing. A want is a nice-to-have item, be like great to get it. But those things are also not binary meaning it's not like we either get it or we don't get it. There's probably a range of acceptable outcomes that we have for each of those things. So just be detailed and disciplined about sitting down and developing that list. And what I mean by this is like a lot of salespeople I work with will say things, well, my need is to get a good deal. That's not a thing, right? Like, right. I mean, the, the deal is the outcome. Obviously, we want to get a great deal, but what we're talking about here is what are the components that go into making a good deal? What are the terms? What are the pricing? What's the scope? What's the delivery? All that kind of fun stuff of like, okay, now we can start breaking it down and actually have things to negotiate. We have to know what it is that makes up that good deal. Some people th say things like, well, I want to build a better relationship. 
what this forces you to do is define what a better relationship actually means. And what are you going to do to improve on that relationship? So it can be used in interpersonal, it can be used in business, however you want to do it. Then thinking about the counterparty, that's the other side of the table. We're thinking about what they need or want. It's really, really important, in my opinion, to try and forecast what they may need or want. Talking purely from a business perspective here, because other disciplines may say, hey, we don't know yet. But it's important to forecast because they may not actually know what they need or want. They may be going into the negotiation in much the same way as you would have gone if you had not prepared by just kind of winging it and seeing what they could get out of it. Now, that doesn't negate the need to vet whether or not your forecasts into what they need or want are correct. And that comes through the conversations that you have with them. But try and forecast ahead of time what you think they may need or want, and then ask them in plain English, what do you need? What do you want? What does success look like for you? What are you trying to drive out of this? What does a better relationship look like? And ask and be bold about those questions. Don't fart around. Just ask. And it's as simple as that. Like It, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. What's the benefit of doing that well? Can you, I mean, what's the why to, I mean, I, I get the why to understanding mine and, and, and we talk about this all the time. What's the why to understanding their priorities and helping them even pull them out when they don't know them? What's the benefit? Because if they can't get a deal that makes sense for them, they're not going to do the deal. Like there's no point. Like, I mean, in much the same way, if you can't get a deal that works for you, you're not going to do the deal. So we need to know what they want to drive for so that we can create a mutually beneficial outcome for the negotiation. Now, this is where I'm going to say something very controversial to a lot of negotiation people. And it, we're ready. We're I'm ready. Gonna, I'm going to for sure <laughs> get hate on this. Notice that I said mutually beneficial. I did not say win-win. Yes. That is because I think win-win is the biggest lie that's ever been told in the negotiation world. Why is that? Win-win presupposes that, first of all, what is win-win? Just break down the language. It's a draw. There are no draws in negotiation. It doesn't happen. It's not a thing. Also, win-win presupposes that you can know the complete value of that deal over the course of the relationship of that deal, which in the business world is almost impossible. Like it's almost impossible to know. It also presupposes that if you have less leverage and less ability than I do, then I need to advocate for your needs and wants so that you get a win and get 50% of that deal. And that's also not going to happen. Like I've never seen that happen in the business world. And I don't think it should happen. It also presupposes that the, the, the feeling of whole reciprocity, like, you know, even trading and all the rest of it and kumbaya and less hold hands is a thing. It's not a thing. You will get absolutely raked over the coals in a negotiation if you decide to go that approach, because I promise you an astute negotiator is going to take advantage of you. Mutually beneficial, which is what I think a lot of people think that win-win means, is about you get a deal that works for you. I get a deal that works for me. You are responsible for getting that deal for you. I'm not responsible for you getting that deal. 
I am responsible for me getting the deal that I want. We're going to have a conversation about it. We're going to talk about each of our needs and wants, but I'm not going to advocate for your needs. I'm advocating for my needs. So ensuring that we do that generates more value for us in the negotiation. Now, when I say that, I know for sure that there are going to be people that listen to this podcast that go, Mark, how can you not believe in win-win? It's the foundation of the program on negotiation, William Urey, Roger Fisher, blah, 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 right? Like it's all going to happen. But if you really think through it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think that a lot of people, when they hear that and they think about how win-win applies, believe that it makes sense because it sounds fair. Yeah. Well, and I think win-win, so my problem with the win-win expression is it often leads people down a path, which is lose-lose. We both give up to give something, yeah, exactly. which, 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 which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or, or the idea that from a fairness perspective, that fairness always means 50-50. And the moment you start saying, well, you know, whose idea was it? Who, 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 you yeah. know, contributed the intellectual property? Who put, you know, who's assuming the most risk? Any sort of variable you start putting in there, uh, well, 50-50, we would never say is what would be the right distribution. So we're, we're not going to, 50-50 doesn't mean fair. So I think there's, I, I mean, I think mutually beneficial is a nice way to frame that. Can I jump on one thing that you said there? Because yeah. you said something really important that reinforces my point, and I feel like I'm going to take advantage of that now. Sure. So you said something that is critical, where you said you have to determine who came up with something and what is the value of that thing. Are you going to go through the entire agreement and determine the objective shared impression or perception of what the value of each individual clause is? that's bananas like that's crazy someone says well we're giving up x part of limitation of liability and that's worth this amount of money or what like man it's it's it sounds great in theory really difficult in practice yeah no i, th I think and i like that was the one of your points earlier too which is over time the value uh you can't you can't imagine right and, and the implementation is hard um, and, and I assume you see that in your work, the different, the challenges with implementing negotiated agreements and, and how much value actually gets captured versus how much gets lost. Yeah, exactly. And I, look, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm dogging a, another type of negotiation theory here. I just yeah. think that the, I think the language is a bit loose. I think we could tighten it up a bit. So in your book and, and, um, you wrote or the, in the book, you talk about, the importance of creating wins for the other party. So how do you reconcile that concept of creating a win for the other party with the, you know, you need to advocate for your own interests, which is fair. I mean, it's a fair request to say, I'm advocating for mine. You need to advocate for yours. I still want to know what your interests may be. Your concerns are those needs, those wants. How do you, how do you reconcile those kind of concepts? I want you to feel as though you've won. So the, I think there's a big difference between objectively win-win and the perception of a win. And that's where I have the issue with that theory. Because a lot of people say that are advocates of the whole win-win methodology, they say, well, no, it's a feeling that you have. Okay, but then the entire theory is now you've just proven my point. The entire theory falls apart right there. So I don't think you can be for win-win objectively 
and then also say in the same sentence, no, no, it's just a feeling of a win. I think you therefore need to be against win-win as a theory or maybe critical of it, maybe not against it, critical of it. And then you can say something to the effect of, no, no, we're creating the perception of a win. If you can create the perception of a win, that's very different than an objective win-win. Because my job in a negotiation is to influence and persuade you. That's my role. And if I can change how you think about what you are achieving throughout to make you think that those things that you're achieving are more valuable than they actually are, then I am creating the perception of a quote-unquote win for you, and therefore, congratulations, you got a win. If that makes you feel better about it, I'm going to do it all day. Well, can we go back? This has been great. Can we go back to, you were talking about, you know, your priorities. You used the word alignment earlier, um, which is negotiation. So you have a sanity check in your ebook about ensuring that your list of priorities aligns with those of your sales or procurement team, your manager, your leader. We know that some of the most difficult negotiations we can ever be involved in are with internal stakeholders. Those are those can be very challenging to manage. So what's your advice about, hey, you got to have these conversations with your leader, uh, especially when you may disagree about priorities and what's most important? What, what sort of advice do you give for having those internal conversations? You can't make decisions in a vacuum and you can't go into negotiations with just your perspective. Because if you do, what you're, you're doing is you're putting blinders on, horse blinders on. And now you're, you're not open to where you may be wrong. And that's, I think, one of the things that makes a lot of great negotiators great instead of just average is they are ruthlessly self-critical. And before they go into a negotiation, they say things to the effect of, where am I wrong? And they do pre-mortem assessments that say, you know, if this deal fails, let fast forward three months, this deal has failed. Where did it fail? Hmm. And asking those questions prior to going into the negotiation and throughout the negotiation helps keep you grounded on what's important and what's not important. Also, when you go into a negotiation without first getting an alignment with whomever you're negotiating on behalf of, how do you know that that's what that person wants? Right. Like whether you're representing someone legally, whether or not you're representing someone in the sale or buying something or an M&A transaction. Yes, you know the strategies and the tactics to be able to achieve those things. But obviously, you need to chat with your client to say, what do you need? What do you want? Let's get aligned. This is what I think you might need or want. But what do you actually need or want? And so the internal negotiation becomes equally as important, if not more important than the external negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. We see that time and time again. And to kind of build on that, Mark. So I think, you know, Aram and I were both infantry officers in the the U.S. Army. And so we spent a lot of time in training events or even on deployments. And one thing that we always do when we're developing a plan is kind of the red pin aspect. So how is the enemy going to influence my plan? Because the enemy always has a vote. And so we like to use that same kind of method when we are dealing with any of our clients to understand, just as you had said, if this is going to fail, where is it going to fail? Why is it going to fail? And can we influence that? Can we have a plan against it ahead of time to be better prepared? So I love that you had kind of said that. I find that 
people with a military background tend to get this sort of intuitively because they're so – especially if you're part of an operational type team, if you've been in the infantry or something like that, you've practiced your field operations over and over and over until it becomes sort of rote knowledge. And then when they bring in that red team to be able to expose all of those weaknesses before you go into the field, that's not a fun experience. <laughs> it's the worst thing in the world, right. but it's so critical because what you don't want to have happen is you get into the field, you haven't tested your moves, and then you get destroyed. The same thing is true in negotiation. You can take that same army learning and apply it to negotiations. Everyone, Nolan here, going to have to jump in and end the conversation right here. Please join us next week as we finish up our conversation with Mark. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.